We're going to continue our study today in a little different vein. I'm taking a break in the Gospel of John for a short while. I wanted to give this as an introduction to you. Uh, and it will be what I will come back with in September and go with it probably four to six weeks. Um, but it's a study on the third day. And this is one of the most critical things for us to understand as Christians. God does not expect us to take a leap in the dark. Our faith in Jesus Christ is not a leap in the dark. It's a leap in the light. When you study scripture, it is so clear that God has preordained who Jesus would be. That from the beginning of the Bible, from Genesis right through Revelation, God wrote the picture of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to prove it to you in the next series of studies. And Jesus is going to prove it to you because Jesus spoke about this as well. So why is this key? I believe that this is the very cement that puts the Bible together. This is the very cement. This is why Jesus told his disciples it was so important. And so this, I would suggest that you keep good notes, that you take my outlines, and you probably keep them in a separate notebook, because at some point in time, each and every one of you are going to speak to somebody who's not a Christian, and they're going to need proof as to why we believe who Jesus is. And I submit to you today, as I would say if I were in a court of law, that the evidence is overwhelming. The evidence is overwhelming, and that's what you're going to see here. And so, the, this becomes the issue of the third day in theology. And what that means is, from the beginning of the Bible, God indicated that something stupendous, unbelievably critical and important, would take place on the third day. The third day would be something that would have an unbelievable difference in this world. Uh, and, it takes, and the evidence for that took place starting in Genesis. And so this section that I'm going to talk to you about, and I'm going to speak first about Jesus walking on the road to Emmaus with the two disciples. Uh, and Jesus will tell them, and he's telling us, and that's what this I'm trying to do. I'm trying to replicate in my own poor, inadequate way, in some way what Jesus said on the road to Emmaus. And that means that Jesus probably walked, it was a seven-mile ro road, Jesus probably walked and talked with those disciples. Cleophas was one of the disciples, and we don't know the name of the other. But he probably walked with them for about three hours. Can you imagine walking down a road with Jesus as he goes through the entire scripture and demonstrates how everything in the scripture was about him? Can you imagine what that had to be like? Uh, it says further, as we're going to read this morning, that their hearts burned. I bet their hearts burned. They didn't know. They, their eyes were beclouded. God didn't want them to know that it was Jesus as they walked. He wanted them to understand the message. And then we know the story that later uh, at dinner they prevailed upon Jesus to stay. And when Jesus broke the bread, they knew instantaneously. They knew instantaneously that Jesus, uh, who Jesus was. So turn with me, if you would, to Luke 24. Beginning with verse 13. Now that same day, two of them, that's disciples, 
were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had that they had seen. Talking about, excuse me, talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, and underline this please, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Verse 25. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Can you imagine what that had to be like? As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us? on the road and opened the scriptures to us. And then they go back to tell the other 11 what this was about. Uh, And then uh, in verse 45, actually verse 44, Jesus will now appear with the the 11 and, and make an appearance with them now and speak to them the same message. Verse 44, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scripture. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And so there it is. The third day, as as enunciated by Jesus Christ, all the prophets and Moses and the Psalms all speak about the third day. Uh, And so Jesus begins to teach his disciples again so that they were aware of it. Obviously, the disciples on the road to Emmaus knew something about the third day because they say to Jesus, and today is the third day. And we don't know where he is. And so they had some preparation for that. 
But God wants us to understand this now so that we go out to the world, we want to be able to show the world what Jesus is about. Now, Paul himself confirms this understanding as well. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 3. For what, I have re- for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Underline that. And that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers. At the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he goes on to account other witnesses. And so what you see here is Paul, and this is being written now probably seven, eight, nine years later after Jesus' crucifixion, maybe ten years later. Paul is speaking to the church, telling them exactly how everything that Jesus suffered, the very crucifixion, all of it, all of it was outlined in the scripture. None of it was a surprise. Everything that that took place uh, was preordained, prophesied about, and put together. And so that's the thing about our faith. God isn't expecting you to take leaps in the dark. Our faith isn't based on blind faith. Our our faith is based on the fact that we have a full understanding of what God has told us. That from the beginning of the creation of this world, God knew that we would need a Savior. He knew it. He knew it in Genesis. He knew it in Revelation. And so the entire Bible is written together where Jesus is the very weaving fabric of everything. That's the message to the world. Okay? And this isn't your opinion. This isn't John Garippa's opinion. This is the Bible speaking. And that's what I want to make sure that we get through and understand this. Um, And and so that it's clear that Jesus is indicating not only was it about the third day, but that Jesus was meant to suffer. That there was going to be persecution. There was going to be pain. There was going to be suffering. Because after all, he was going to be the one time perfect sacrifice for all mankind. And so it wasn't going to be an easy trip. It wasn't going to be a free pass. Somebody had to pay the price. Because God is perfect. God is holy. God is righteous. And so you see this. And so from the beginning of the Bible, right through to the end, there are about, in the Old Testament, based on my research, about 40 key passages that speak about the third day. I'm going to focus on that in the fall. 40 key passages. But I wanted to give you right now the passages that relate to the New Testament, that they understood exactly what was going to take place. Turn to Matthew 12. Matthew 12. Verse 40. For as, this is Jesus now. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. How about that? You want it any clearer than that? You want a better prophecy than that? There's Jesus uh, telling the, the uh, rulers, the people that are looking for a miracle, uh, you know, do something spectacular. You want to see something spectacular? 
you're going to see me get up. After being three days and three nights in the belly of the earth, you're going to see me give, walk up. Life eternal. Death defeated. No greater miracle ever in the history of the world. And so if you go back and you, and you look at some of the early uh, understanding of this, turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Verse 11. And this is now, verse 11, is the third day. It's the third day of creation. And whether you believe it's a third 24-hour day or a third spiritual day that could be millions of years of age, it does not matter. It is, according to Scripture, the third day. And look what happens on the third day. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And so it was. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, and it was the third day. Accident? Happenstance? That life itself is created in this world on the third day? I think not. I think not. The fact that God began to put life in this world indicates that he did it especially on the third day. He could have done it on the fourth day. He could have done it on the first day. But he did it on the third day to begin to let the Jewish people know, be prepared. Something spectacular is going to happen on the third day. Turn now also to Acts chapter 3. Acts 3. Verse 15. This is Peter speaking on the day of Pentecost shortly thereafter. And now he's indicting the Jewish elites. Verse 15, You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and faith that comes through that he has given this complete healing to him. Let me make sure I've got the right verses here. All right? Acts chapter 3, verse 15. But God raised him from the dead. All right? That's not the quite verse that I wanted, but I'm going to move on because I have another verse. Acts 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 30. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath and he would one and he would place one of his descendants on that throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of Christ that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see Hit decay. God raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses to that fact. Now he cites there, he cites David uh, as the person who had an understanding of what that would be. And let me let me give that to you. Look at Psalm 16. Is it hot in here? I knew they would get me before I went back. Sorry, Dick. 
Psalm 16. Verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. How about that? Here's David writing 800 years before Jesus would be crucified that God would not let his Holy One see decay. What an incredible act of understanding of what would be to come uh, in many ways. Uh, and so we see this. And so uh, there's another example that I can turn you to. Look to Luke chapter 2. And as I studied this, I have to tell you that some of this was eye-opening to me. Luke chapter 2. Joseph and Mary are going to lose Jesus at the feast. All right? They're going to lose him at the feast. Verse 44. Thinking he, meaning Jesus, was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple court sitting among the teachers. After three days. Now, come on, folks. Really? Are you kidding me? After three days? There's a reason why God writes it like that. There's a reason why it happened. Because here they were, sorrowful, lost, despairing. They have no way to know where their next step is. They have lost basically the Son of God. And in three days, their sorrow is ended, their despair is ended, because they find Jesus. Three days. It could have happened in one day. It could have happened in two days. But God let it happen in three days. I mean, aren't you amazed? I mean, seriously, and I've just begun to scratch the surface on this. Three days. Three days. And so it's, it's amazing. Uh, and so... Uh, you see this, the believers, just like on the road to Emmaus, the believers were lost, despairing, sorrowful. It's the third day. And what happens? Their loss, their despair, their sorrow was taken away on the third day. Just like Mary and Joseph, on the third day. Um, and this is going to take place over and over and over again. Um, and turn also now, if you would, to John chapter 2. Think about Jesus, knowing that this would all take place. And, and being vilified, and persecuted, and suffering, and that the Jewish people are rejecting him. And yet Jesus knows that this has all been foreordained, written about from the beginning of time, and that they have not seen it that their eyes have been closed. Think about the pain that that had to be. To see that the, that, that the very people that God has called as his own uh, refuse to accept it. John chapter 2, verse 19. Verse 18, we'll start with. Then the Jews demanded of him, what miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? 
And by the way, Jesus had already done many miraculous signs. Come on, you must have another parlor trick you can pull up here right now. I'm sure you could do something. Show us who you are. It wouldn't have matter what Jesus did. They wouldn't have believed. And so Jesus responds. Verse 19. Jesus answered to them, Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Oh, Lord. Are you kidding me? What does he mean? Destroy this temple? He's going to destroy the temple and build the temple? Yes, he's going to, you're going to destroy the temple of God, Jesus Christ. The body of Christ. And God will raise it again on the third day. On the third day. On the third day. Doesn't this give you joy? Doesn't this give you peace? Doesn't this touch your heart? Isn't it great to know you're on the winning side? I mean, you can go into the world and talk to people about Jesus. You're not a flake. You're not screwy. You're the one that has the truth. And they're lost. And that's why I'm teaching you this. I want you to be able to have a discussion with your friends and with your neighbors. They don't know this. They don't understand this. You're going to have to be the one that leads them. Because you know what? You're not going to hear this preached in a lot of churches. All right? So you're going to go to church probably in many churches and not even hear this and understand it. But God wants you to know this. This is important. The third day. You know, this is even difficult to preach in church because something like this takes time. You just can't do it in one sermon. This takes a series to be able to lay it all out. And you're going to see it. Your head's going to explode when I get done doing all the references that relate to this. How important it is. Uh, and so here it is. Go ahead. You kill, you kill me. You kill me. And on the third day, on the third day, God will bring me back to life. Um, and, and God, I will not stop uh, until I'm finished. Look also at Luke 13. You know, this is part of of my background as a lawyer that, you know, if I, if one or two things are good, then 10 or 15 are better, <laughs> which is what I would learn from being in court, have, dealing with judges that had bias, had already predetermined what their opinions would be. And that often I would, I would recognize that I was trying the case, not for the judge here, but for the appeal, for the appeal, that the appellate courts could see what the record was about. That's what this is. This is the record. It, it, deter, it deserves to be spoken about. Luke 13, verse 32. Uh, and uh, this is where Jesus is sorrowing for Jerusalem. Uh, verse 31. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. Jesus replied, Go tell that fox. I will drive out demons. And heal people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. Jesus, what are you telling me? Wise up. Listen. On the third day, I will reach my goal. Over and over and over again. The third day. The third day. Our, our faith is predicated on the third day. If there were no third day, you know what? Stay home, go fishing, take a good walk, because everything that we do in church is of no consequence. It is all because of the third day that we are here. 
It is the very third day which gives life to our faith. That's why you have to teach the third day. That's why people need to understand the third day. It's because Jesus Christ defeated death. That there is life everlasting for those of us who have accepted him. And this is what the world desperately needs to know. I'll give you another surprising one. May I just say one thing that in my Bible, the King James, it says, on the third day, I shall be perfected. Yes, and that's exactly right. And she said she made reference to the King James Bible, which says, on the third day, I will be perfected, meaning that my body will be a glorious body that will be the body that I will have for the rest of eternity, which is what you will have also on the third day, as your body, as this flesh, this flesh and blood is given way to a glorious, new, perfected body. Turn to John chapter 2. This is another incident that I myself was not prepared to realize until I studied it. John chapter 2. The marriage at Cana. Now here's the thing. John chapter 1, the dis- John, Jesus gets the disciples. He's calling the disciples. And all of the disciples are coming together one by one. They're being drawn to Jesus. And now they're traveling. This is the first travel uh, period. As a group, the disciples are traveling together. Verse 1 on of chapter 2, verse 1. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Had you ever seen that one before? On the third day. The first miracle of Jesus is going to take place on the third day. Jesus is going to announce to the world on the third day that something spectacular is taking place. Nobody has ever done this before in the history of the world. Nobody will take water and turn it into wine to fill that feast so that the master of the feast will say to the groom, you are amazing. You saved the best for the last. Nobody saves the best for the last when the, when the group is drunk and their sensibilities are dulled. But you, you have done something blessed. You have saved the best wine for the last. Yes, because Jesus made it on the third day. I mean, really, God is speaking to us this morning about this, really. It's as if we're walking with Jesus on the road to Emmaus. And he's going through these things. And honestly, when I feel these things, I hope it, I hope it works with you. My heart burns like this. I'm so, I, I feel like, oh Lord, I'm so humbled by this. Lord, what you've done for me is so spectacular. The knowledge that you've given me, Lord, I don't, I'm not worthy to have this. Lord, help me to articulate it to a lost world. That's the prayer you should be making right now. Ask God to give you the ability to repeat these things to a lost world. That's your responsibility. That's what God expects you to do. And so you see this. And so here it is. The third day. The marriage feast of Canaan takes place on the third day. Now, turn to Matthew 15. And by the way, I'm basically parking in the New Testament. All right, I haven't started really with the Old Testament. Wait do you see that. All right, that's good. I'm saving that for the fall. I just wanted to give you a taste of what's to come in the fall. Matthew 15. And now Jesus is traveling, and the multitude is following him, and they're not leaving him. They want to hear with him. They want to hear what he has to say. 
Uh, and actually, we'll, we'll read in verse 29. We'll start there. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up to a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. Can you imagine how many people Jesus must have healed that day? I mean, seriously. We focused on seven miracles in the Gospel of John. I would presume that that day hundreds of people were healed. Hundreds of people. Something spectacular had to take place for 5,000 people to travel with him. And so the hand of God, the power of God is outpouring in an unbelievable way. And he healed them. And the people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking and the blind singing. And they praised the God of Israel. Can you imagine seeing all this happen? I mean, can you imagine being there in that first century and just seeing this hundreds upon hundreds of people being touched and healed by this carpenter from Nazareth? Jesus called his disciples and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days. What? That's right. They have already been with me three days. Three days and they have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. The third day. You understand? The third day. And so Jesus says it's now the third day. They're hungry. They need the word of life. They need to be filled. They need to be given hope. They need to see something. And Jesus feeds them. He feeds them. Now, he feeds them not only physically well, with the loaves and the fishes, but he feeds them spiritually. He gives them the word of life on the third day. Isn't that amazing? I, can't, I can tell you honestly that I never concentrated on that at all. And so clearly on the third day, uh, grace is given to the children of God, satisfying all their hunger. Now I've got another one for you in the New Testament. I have another one for you. Paul, on the road to Damascus, he's going to, to persecute the Christians. He's going to kill them and drag them back to Jerusalem so that they can be crucified. All right? Turn to Acts chapter 9. Yes, yes. Acts chapter 9, verse 7. The men traveling with Saul stood, Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. He's blind. So they led him by the hand into Damascus for how many? Three days. Three days he was blind and did not drink or eat anything. Three days. The greatest apostle in the history of the world. The greatest evangelist in the history of the world. The greatest missionary in the history of the world. The person who by most secular historians is, is viewed as in the top five people affecting Western civilization is struck down on the road to Damascus by Jesus Christ and is blinded for three days until he has given his sight and will become that great apostle. Three days. Something special is coming in three days. Something that will change the world in three days. And Jesus told us about it. And God told us about it over and over and over again. Amen. And when you come back and see me September 16th, 
we're going to go through this story and your head's going to explode. <laughs> and you're going to speak to a world that needs to hear it. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for the words that you've given us. Lord, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you, Father, for the Bible, for the roadmap, for the fact that you did not keep it secret but showed it to us. And give us the grace now, Lord, when we leave here to commit ourselves to teach others. This is not about us keeping it secret, but about us delivering this message to so many other people who need to hear it. Lord, I ask you to protect our people. Be with them this summer. Surround them with your presence. Be with them wherever they go, wherever they may travel. Protect them, Lord, and bring them back safely so that we can be the same spiritual family as we go forward in our walk with you, Lord. We put all of these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you. Be well. Be safe.